Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the AWS Podcast. Simon Alicia here with you in beautiful Melbourne, Australia. It's great to have you back with me. And we have lots and lots to cover today. This is a uh, service update episode. And so I've got lots of cool things for you to play with. Hopefully, uh, something we talk about today makes your life a little easier. So one of the uh, favorite services for our customers is, of course, the Simple Storage Service, S3. And there is a new Amazon S3 storage class, and it is called the one zone infrequent access. Now, this is designed for customers who want a lower cost option for infrequently accessed data, but don't need the multiple availability zone resilience model that S3 standard and S3 standard infrequent access have. So basically, this is for data that you can recreate. So it might be working data, outputs of other processing, etc. It's things that you can you know, use for secondary backup copies or stuff that's already replicated somewhere else, something you need to put for um, requirements to be in a different location, but it's only there temporarily. Lots and lots of reasons why you might use this. Essentially, what happens is this data is stored within a single availability zone and is a 20% lower cost than S3 standard infrequent access. The nice thing is, though, is this, this one zone infrequent access still can offer customers higher availability and durability than their own self-managed physical data centers because it still provides you with the 11 nines of durability. So it's designed for that, even though it's only focused on one availability zone. It's designed really to work across just that one availability zone that you select versus uh, the other ones, which will op operate across a minimum of three geographically separated availability zones to give you the highest level of resilience, even to an availability zone loss. So this is available to you now. Uh, you can upload your data directly to that particular storage class, or it can be uh, integrated into your S3 lifecycle policies, etc. And it's available today in all AWS commercial regions, which is pretty exciting. Another thing that's now generally available is Amazon S3 Select. You may remember we talked about that around reInvent time. Uh, this allows you to only pull out the data you need from an object versus the entire object when querying from S3. Now you can do that using some of the range get capabilities. This gives you a more data aware approach that allows you to get to the data inside the objects intelligently. And depending on the workload, it can actually uh, improve the performance of your application by up to 400%. So take a look at some of the information about how this works because it may well fit your use case and give you a really cool and rapid performance improvement without having to do much work at all. So let's keep talking about data because data is kind of important to uh, most applications and many customers use Amazon DynamoDB. It's a NoSQL database that has a whole bunch of cool things. In fact, I've been using it for one of my own projects lately and uh, continuously am delighted by the things I can do with it. Well, one of the things you can do with it now is it now supports continuous backups and point-in-time recovery, which is very, very useful to protect against things like accidental writes or deletes. Uh, you know, if there's anything we know about uh, running IT is that uh, mistakes that you tend to make as a human being tend to happen at scale when using IT. Uh, this point-in-time recovery capability means you don't have to create, maintain, or schedule your backups. You just enable point-in-time recovery on your table. And basically from then on, it will allow you to recover the table from backup at any point in time from the point you've enabled it to a maximum of 35 preceding days. That is cool in my book. So you basically have 35 days that you can roll back to to get your data back uh, in the event of some sort of problem happening. 
So that would be something for your critical things that I would be switching on pretty quickly. Great example of uh, undifferentiated heavy lifting, which backup certainly fits into that category that is no longer something you have to worry about with DynamoDB. Another thing relevant to DynamoDB is uh, DynamoDB encryption at rest is available in more regions now. So it's available across uh, 14 different regions. And this allows you to secure your data in the tables using AWS managed encryption keys, which are stored in the AWS key management service. The nice thing is totally transparent to the user, works seamlessly on the on the data, fits beautifully into the SDKs as well. So very low amount of effort required to give you a high security posture. Now, a lot of customers have started to do application streaming and Amazon AppStream 2.0 lets you do this. Uh, one of the things that AppStreaming uh, fits into is really providing things to third parties or other people through your own branding. So Amazon AppStream 2.0 now supports custom branding. And what this means is you can now customize your user's experience with your own logo, color, text, and help links as well in the application catalog page. So that means that they have a much more uh, customized and seamless experience. I know for a lot of higher education, universities, colleges, et cetera, that's a really important thing because student experience is important. You can now do that, which is kind of nice. So let's talk a little bit about software development. I've been doing some work myself lately and being frustrated as the process tends to go. So some good changes that will make life a bit easier. Firstly, AWS Cloud9 supports local debugging of AWS Lambda functions in Python. So now you can do local debugging. So you can do things like breakpoints, set through your code, etc., before uploading into Lambda. So it shortens that cycle much more quickly. Speaking of quick, AWS Lambda also now supports Node.js version 8.10. This allows you to take advantage of all the goodness of the new version that includes some performance improvements and other cool stuff available in all regions where Lambda is available. So you can get right into that straight away. Another change is that AWS CloudFormation now supports launch templates. So you probably remember that uh, Amazon EC2 Autoscaling and EC2 Spotfleet uses these to make it easier to templatize what you want to build and deploy. And now you can wrap that into CloudFormation, which makes life a little easier. Speaking of making life easier and wrapping into CloudFormation, the AWS Serverless Application Model, or SAM, is a really useful mechanism to deploy your serverless applications in a way that is very declarative and translates the templates into the CloudFormation stacks. Now, the good news is it is now open source. So it's available under the Apache 2.0 license. And what this means is you can now extend the uh, model for your own use. You can add additional components that may not exist at the moment. So you can define your event sources, resource types, parameters. You can integrate it with other frameworks. You can, of course, fork it. You can do pull requests, the whole thing. So you can really uh, increase the integration available to you. Now, also as part of this release, uh, SAM supports CloudWatch log subscription filters. Now, what this means is you can enable triggers to your Lambda function based on a subscription filter. So something can happen and you can action it based upon the required information. Now, you may recall from a previous update show that we introduced the Route 53 auto naming API. And what this allowed you to do is to automate the discovery of services, et cetera, that you set up through Route 53. Well, the service discovery is now also available for Amazon ECS, the Amazon Elastic Container Service. And basically it's an integrated service discovery capability that means you can discover your containerized services to each other and connect them to each other very, very easily. It takes advantage of a registry that it manages 
using the Route 53 auto naming API, and it automatically maps those names, does health checks, etc. So it makes life much much easier. Probably replaces a bit of code you might have out there. Speaking of replacing code, AWS Firegate, great way to deploy your containers without doing a great deal of work. Uh, it is now available in version 1.1, adding support for task metadata, container health checks, and service discovery as well. So you can get even more information about the tasks that are running on AWS Firegate if you want to get them. So for example, uh, you can pull data from the task metadata endpoints within Amazon ECS, and you can get environmental data and statistics for those tasks, uh, basically to send to things like Datadog, et cetera, and you can see what's going on under the hood if you need to. Now, one technology I've seen have great resonance with developers at the moment is something called GraphQL. And I'm happy to announce that AWS AppSync is now generally available and it has some new GraphQL features. Um, AWS AppSync is an enterprise-ready GraphQL service with real-time data and offline programming capabilities. They've added in the capabilities to do test and debug flows, so you can mock out data and do other tests as well. Uh, Amazon CloudWatch has been integrated, so you can do streaming of GraphQL operation logs for live debugging. And it is also now supported by Amazon CloudFormation, so you can build out your API in a few easy steps. So if this is a technology that you're interested in using, uh, this service would be the one for you to look at. Speaking of development, AWS Amplify is a really useful JavaScript library that allows you to consume AWS services really, really easily, particularly if you are in the web and React Native space. Uh, it now has support for GraphQL and AWS AppSync as well. So you can imagine all the cool things you could build using that. And of course, you can use that library from any region that you want where there's availability of the AWS services that you're calling. Of course, if you're developing any uh, distributed system, you need to think about uh, managing security and tracking through performance, etc. And AWS X-Ray is a great solution for understanding the connectivity of different services, as well as uh, performance, any delays, etc. Uh, AWS X-Ray now has support for customer-managed AWS KMS keys, which means you can encrypt that data with your own keys and manage it through KMS, so you can have an even more secure posture whilst doing your monitoring. Now, another thing that uh, people often need to do is secure their APIs. And Amazon API Gateway, of course, uh, has Lambda authorizers and integrations, etc. Well, now it supports cross-account access. So you can now use an AWS Lambda function from a different AWS account as the Lambda authorizer or integration backend for your Amazon API Gateway API methods. So this allows you to have better control and security control across different teams. You can manage a multi-account environment much more easily as well. So lots of power there. Speaking of power, Amazon API Gateway also now supports resource policies for APIs. So you can attach these policies, which gives you really granular control over what action a user or an account can perform on an API and under what conditions as well. So this gives you a really nice language to do that with. I'm still on security. We're going to talk a bit about security today. Uh, a new thing that's available for people to use is the AWS Certificate Manager Private Certificate Authority. So a private certificate authority is how you manage your own private keys that you might create internally to manage different systems in your environment. You may use these to uh, set up com secure communications between internal components, etc. You can now have a private version to go along with the public version that is provided to you by AWS Certificate Manager, which means you can now manage public and private certificates centrally. Now, 
Anyone who's ever had to manage certificates know it can be a massive headache. So this service makes it easy to do both for your internal certificates and your external certificates. Now let's talk more about security because we don't want to stop that topic. Uh, One small change that I know will be well received by a lot of listeners because I've spoken to them about it in the past is a little extension to the AWS Security Token Service to allow longer federated API access using roles. You can now set your session length up to a maximum of 12 hours for an IAM role. And this means you don't have to re-authenticate and is, I'm sure, going to be very popular for a lot of people who have been looking forward to this for a long time. Another thing is the ability to enable trusted organization access in AWS organizations. So what this allows you to do is to use the console to view and control which AWS services have trusted access to your organization. And you can turn them on, turn them off, control it within multiple accounts as well. So a nice addition if you're using organizations. And a performance enhancement related to security as well. You can now increase your user logon performance in AWS Managed Microsoft AD. And basically, you can now match your AWS Managed Microsoft AD and existing Microsoft Active Directory site names. And what this does is allows you to have a faster logon experience. And last time I checked, no user ever complained about logon being too quick. So this is a good thing. And speaking of good things, uh, there is now multi-account, multi-region data aggregation for AWS Config. Now, I'm a big fan of AWS Config because it constantly monitors your environment looking for configuration drifts and changes and things that go bump in the night and allow you to action those in real time. You can now see all of that from one console. This means you can have an enterprise-wide view of your compliance status. So rather than having to flip between different consoles to get there, it's now all in the one place. And speaking of all in the one place, uh, the AWS Firewall Manager is a new security management tool that allows you to centrally configure and manage all of your AWS WAF rules. Often WAF rules are common across an organization. So why deploy them in lots and lots of places when you can set them up once and push them out across all the regions that you want to cover? So you can now do that. So it is now available to organizations that are subscribed to AWS Shield Advance at no additional charge, and you only pay for the underlying config rules that are available. If uh, you're an AWS WAF and AWS Shield standard customer, the AWS Firewall Manager has a monthly fee for each protection policy created per region. So check out the details on that, but a great way to manage at scale your security posture. Speaking of security posture, there is now the AWS Secrets Manager. And this is a secrets management service to help you protect access to your applications, your services, and other IT resources. And it really focuses on making it easy to rotate, manage, and retrieve database credentials, API keys, and other secrets throughout their life cycle. And this is the challenge with secrets is it's not just a secret in a point in time. They need to be refreshed, changed, etc. You don't want to be hard coding them, creating tricky little files, get ignoring them all the time. So with the AWS Secrets Manager, you can now do this with built-in integration for Amazon RDS for MySQL, Postgres, and Amazon Aurora. You can also plug it into anything else you want to. It's completely API managed very fine-grained permissioning, and of course is pay-as-you-go pricing as well. Now, if you're a monitoring fiend and you like to see what's going on in your environment, you've probably used Amazon CloudWatch. And no doubt at some point you've sat there and said, if only I could calculate something on the metrics that I'm seeing in addition to what I'm seeing. If only I could apply maybe some, I don't know, maths. Well, guess what? Uh, You can now do metric math on your AWS CloudWatch metrics 
And this allows you to do very custom operations on those metrics. Essentially, you can perform calculations across multiple metrics for real-time analysis. And you can visualize them through the console, add them to your dashboard, or even get them through the new Get Metric Data API as well. So you have lots and lots of choices. What are the calculations you may ask? Well, you can do addition, subtraction, division, multiplication, and of course, functions like sum, average, min, max, standard deviations, and lots more. So... This is one to take advantage of pretty soon because it's really powerful. Another powerful change to Amazon CloudWatch uh, is the addition for Amazon CloudWatch events where you can have Amazon SQS first in, first out queues as a event target. This means that for those events you want to generate where order is important, you can now alert into those and take some sort of action in an ordered way. Another thing that has happened to Amazon CloudWatch is it now has Route 53 logs. Uh, added to the vendor logs. So these are logs that are natively published by AWS services on behalf of our customers. So you can now get advantage of those if you want to use them. Let's talk storage. Let's talk making it easy to track your EBS volume state. Now, any of you who have uh, done anything with EBS will know in the past that you'll be using the describe volume API to figure out what state it's in. Uh, has it been created? Has it been deleted? All that good stuff. Well, guess what? You don't have to do that anymore. There is now a uh, new Amazon CloudWatch event to notify customers when volume creation or deletion is accomplished. So rather than having to ask, you get told and your code should be much, much more efficient. Obviously, within any large and growing infrastructure you may have or setup you might have, tagging becomes really important. One of the mechanisms we have for tagging is something called resource groups, which allow you to group together like concepts or like components of systems. So the resource groups tagging API now supports 13 additional AWS services. So you can now do up to 41 different AWS services as well. Now, this helps you discover those resources. You can allocate cost, uh, control resource activity. Uh, access, etc. So it really becomes a very powerful tool to manage the environment that you're trying to control. So more coverage there. Another regular task that many people do is patching their systems. Well, you should anyway. And uh, AWS Systems Manager does this really, really well. And it now does it for CentOS or CentOS, depending on how you like to say it. Uh, basically, it's another flavor of Linux that is now supported. We support version 6.5 and higher. And that now joins uh, Red Hat Enterprise Linux, Ubuntu Server, Amazon Linux, and SUSE Enterprise Server to uh, the family of things that can be patched. And if you're not patching, you should probably start because patching is good. Now, I mentioned just earlier on a little bit about AWS Config. Well, guess what? AWS Config notifications are now integrated with AWS CloudWatch events. What this means is that something can happen that AWS Config notices and it can tell AWS CloudWatch events, which can then trigger a Lambda function to take a corrective action or can send a notification through SNS or SQS to tell someone that something's gone wrong. And this is a really, really important concept. You know, at scale, you want to be monitoring everything and taking corrective action very, very quickly. By being able to automate the entire process from detection to resolution, you've essentially closed that vulnerability window completely. So this becomes really powerful. So if you're an organization that's looking at stuff like uh, DevSecOps or just improving your overall operational capability, this is something to bear in mind. Now, it's been interesting for me of late talking to a lot of customers as I tend to get the opportunity to do so is how many of them have call centers and how much of a royal, not enjoyable process it is to manage and maintain those call centers. So they've been very interested to talk about Amazon Connect and to understand what it can do for them. Now, one of the new capabilities is that automated outbound calling is now generally available. 
What this means is you have a API for automating calls to customers that you can do on a scheduled basis for things like uh, automated reminders, uh, payment due notifications, doctor's appointments. Uh, you can also trigger these in response to events like telling them about a credit card fraud on their account, etc. So it becomes very, very powerful to integrate with other systems and reach out proactively to your customers rather than having them have to call into you. Another little change for Amazon Connect is that it is now uh, supporting SAML 2.0 for federated single sign-on. So integrating it into other enterprise systems becomes even more straightforward. And there's a, a real theme of security rolling through uh, this uh, episode of updates and uh, Amazon Elasticsearch uh, does not want to be left behind. So the Amazon Elasticsearch service now has uh, user authentication and access for Kibana using Amazon Cognito. This means you don't have to configure and manage a proxy server to give your user level access for Kibana. This is a great combination of two really good services. I know a lot of customers love to use Elasticsearch with Kibana and want to give it give access to the Kibana component for lots and lots of users to consume. And creating a proxy is kind of undifferentiated heavy lifting, dare I say it. So uh, it's now gone. You can use Cognito instead. Continuing with our security theme and blending it with storage, uh, Amazon EFS, the Elastic File System, now supports encryption of data in transit as well as at rest. So you can now encrypt that data between the file system and the client using TLS 1.2. Uh, basically, there is also a new mount helper that can establish the encrypted client connection, both for encrypted and unencrypted file systems as well. So now we have comprehensive encryption both at rest and in transit, which really ticks the boxes for a lot of customers who have been wanting that for a little while. So we've been talking a lot about security, but it's probably time to talk a little bit about artificial intelligence and machine learning and AI and all the cool, fun stuff that people are doing at the moment. And lots has been happening in that space. Firstly, the Apache MXNet model server now has container support to allow to have far more scalable model serving. So you can use containers that are published to Docker Hub. They're pre-configured and optimized for uh, the C5 instance types and the GPU hosts as well, uh, and gives you a lot more power uh, to run those models and scale them up. Speaking of scale, uh, the AWS Deep Learning AMI now includes optimized TensorFlow 1.6 for Amazon EC2 P3 and C5 instances. This takes advantage of uh, the GPUs on the GPU-based machines and means that you get to train your models faster. On the C5 instances, it also takes uh, advantage of the advan Intel's advanced vector instructions, the math kernel library, a whole bunch of other cool things at the chip level that, again, let you train your models quicker. Another change is that Amazon SageMaker has open sourced TensorFlow 1.6 and Apache MXNet 1.1 Docker containers with uh, the ability to do local mode and also support more instance types across all modules. What this basically means is you have even more choice about how and where you run your models and how they fit into your overall data science program. Uh, the idea here is choice and the idea here is to give you the right uh, software and the right hardware at the right time to be able to build those complex models. If, however, you don't want to be building highly complicated uh, models, you just like to get the benefits of machine learning versus doing the hard work of machine learning, good news for you. Amazon Translate is now generally available, and this is powered by deep learning technologies. It basically allows you to translate between different languages. Currently, it supports uh, translation between English and six major languages, Spanish, Chinese, French, 
German, Arabic, Portuguese. Uh, so a pretty good list. There'll also be some more coming, including Japanese, Russian, Italian, traditional Chinese, Turkish, and Czech. So it's kind of getting up to the level of my uh, my late great uh, grandfather who could speak 11 languages. Um, I think translators are well on the way. So this makes it very easy to translate between languages for your customers. Another one that you can also take advantage of is Amazon Transcribe. And this is also powered by deep learning. And it allows you to have continuously trained automatic speak recognition convert speech into text. It can tell you if different people are speaking at different times. It can timestamp it. You can also upload a custom vocabulary to improve the accuracy of the recognition. So if you have product names, domain-specific technologies, jargon, uh, names of individuals, um, even perhaps uh, Australian slang, you can upload all that and get really, really good transcription services available to you. And another voice service is Amazon Polly, which uh, we've spoken about many times in the past. The character limits have now been increased. So basically, you can now have a bigger call made to the synthesized speech API. Uh, the maximum length of input text can be up to 3,000 build characters or 6,000 total characters, which would then include your non-build SSML tags. So you can now send more data each time so you can make less calls to get more outcome. Now, of course, one of the big uh, attractions of using any sort of deep learning, machine learning, is that the models are supposed to be trained and get better over time as they get used. Well, by using a kind of off-the-shelf service like Amazon Recognition for facial recognition, etc., you can get the benefit of our model constantly being trained and getting better on your behalf. So there have been some improvements. Recognition is now 80% more accurate in distinguishing between people who look very similar to each other and up to 35% more accurate in recognizing the same person with substantial changes in their appearance. So it could be their hairstyle, hair color, facial hair, glasses, etc. So this reduces false accepts and false rejects when you're trying to do matching. Also, one of the nice things about Amazon recognition is you can do real-time search against tens of millions of faces. Now, the service has been updated to provide you with 25% more accuracy in that particular process. So this is a great example where the service has improved behind the scenes based upon the training and the models, et cetera, and you get the benefit without having to do anything. Another handy change for those of you who like using your VPC and don't want traffic to traverse the internet at all, even when calling other services, is that the Amazon Simple Notification Service, SNS, now supports AWS Private Link. So this means you can make calls to SNS without your data having to transit an internet gateway or using a NAT service or even a VPN connection. Now, a few other bits and bobs that I've collected along the way that I think are quite useful. Uh, if you haven't played with Amazon Athena, you probably should. It's a really great interactive query service where you don't have to set up any infrastructure, etc. You can just query and go, and it is pretty awesome for that sort of function. There is a new JDBC driver that has been provided uh, with new features like array data type support, some bug fixes, and a lot of performance improvements. It's a 2.0 release or a 2.x. It's probably the right way to put it. So um, you probably want to upgrade uh, following the migration guide to get the benefits of the new uh, driver. Now, Whilst I may like using uh, Athena and writing SQL, and that's kind of how I like to get my data, not everyone likes it that way. Some people like pictures because a picture can tell a thousand words, and Amazon QuickSight is a really handy service to do that. The good news is there are now new data connectors to a whole bunch of popular business apps and JSON flat files. So you can connect to things like Jira, GitHub, ServiceNow, Adobe Analytics, and Twitter, uh, and report on those. And you can now also natively query JSON flat files as well. 
so you can visualize that data very, very easily. Now, another uh, undifferentiated heavy lifting replacing service is AWS Batch, which helps you manage big batch jobs. One of the things with batch jobs is sometimes they run too long or they get out of control or they're poorly coded or whatever. Um, so you kind of want to have a timeout. So now there is automatic termination with job execution timeout available to you. You can now set a timeout duration per retry attempt in your job definition, or you can provide it as an override when you submit the job and AWS Batch will terminate the job when you want to terminate it after running too long. Now, the timeout duration has to be at least 60 seconds and the timer starts when the job reaches a running state. It's good to control those runaway tasks that maybe didn't go quite as planned. Now, of course, things don't always go as planned, and that's why we have uh, technologies like autoscaling to get us out of that, uh, particularly when we don't plan for incoming flow of traffic. Uh, some enhancements to AWS autoscaling. There are two major enhancements, uh, scaling plans based on resource tags, and of course, a new scaling dashboard. So this will allow you to better visualize your resources, set those rules, and see what's happening. Of course, keeping across all these different technologies can be challenging. So I'm really thrilled to announce four free digital training courses around some of these new services that we've been speaking about today. There is the Introduction to Amazon Certificate Manager Private Certificate Authority. There is the Introduction to AWS Secrets Manager, Introduction to Amazon Translate, and Introduction to Amazon Transcribe, all available for free online at aws.training. So make sure you take advantage of those if any of those tickled your fancy as something you might like to use. And training is, of course, an important thing. And certification also ties into that. In fact, just uh, last week, I recertified a couple of my AWS certs because you have to recertify them every couple of years to prove that you're up to date and across things. And I do it too. Uh, and there is a new one, the AWS Certified Security Specialty Exam. And this allows experienced cloud security professionals to demonstrate and validate their knowledge on how to secure the AWS platform. Covers things like incident response, logging, monitoring, infrasecurity, IAM, data protection. It's a really interesting and very useful specialty exam. And we recommend that candidates have five years of IT security experience in designing and implementing security solutions, and at least two years of hands-on as well. You want to know what you're doing before trying this exam out. But uh, if you're in the security domain, why don't you go give it a go? It's available to everyone now. And to finish, I want to talk about a couple of quick pricing things. Uh, I always like to talk about pricing, particularly when the direction is down for our customers. Uh, AWS Elemental Media Convert now has a new pricing tier called the Basic Basic Pricing Tier. That's easy for you to say. Um, now, AWS Elemental Media Convert is a file-based video processing service, and uh, it was released with the existing capability, which is a professional tier. And this is really the full suite of all the things that you'd expect for broadcast and multi-screen delivery of high quality video output. So a wide variety of different formats, dual pass, high quality encoding, lots of other cool stuff um, available per minute. But for those customers who only have a simple web distribution use case, it might be a little too much. So the basic tier now provides output just for the AVC codec and single pass transcoding. And it's a significant price reduction off the already low per minute price of the professional tier. So if you have uh, less sophisticated needs, if I can put it that way, this gives you a great price opportunity. And the last thing we're going to talk about today is the opportunity to save money on your Amazon RDS. Uh, resources. You can now get uh, reserved instances or RI purchase recommendations from the AWS Cost Explorer. So the Cost Explorer already does EC2 recommendations. This now does the 
uh, RDS recommendations as well. And you can tweak this. So you can say, only show me certain classes of RIs because they're the ones that I want to buy. Or you can say, uh, specify a specific historical time period over which to calculate the recommendations. For example, the last 60 days, etc. Once you get these recommendations, it's a simple click and you can go ahead and implement the RI purchases and start getting the savings straight away. So a nice way to save some money without doing any work and no application changes. So that's a lot we've covered today. Thank you for sticking with me. Uh, Try to make it interesting and useful. We do love to get your feedback, podcast at amazon.com. If you're enjoying the podcast, please do tell others about it. Uh, leave us a review if you want to on your podcatcher of choice. And of course, until next time, keep on building.